welcome to AHP's Off The Record podcast. My name is Enna. And my name is Jo. And we're two London-based physiotherapists and we'll be your hosts for the podcast today. So this is our first podcast. Um, this podcast comes off the back of the Facebook page that we created called On The Frontline NHS AHP's. So the podcast is for allied health professionals, for anyone aspiring to be an allied health professional and anyone who is interested in what we do, what we get up to and how we do our jobs. But we thought it might be best if we actually explain what an allied health professional is. So the term allied health professional describes 14 different professional titles which are recognised by NHS England and are protected by law. Um, the professions are dietitians, physiotherapists, occupational therapists, speech and language therapists, operating department practitioners, podiatrists and chiropodists, orthoptists, osteopaths, paramedics, prosthetists and orthotists, radiographers, art therapists, drama therapists and music therapists. In order to use the professional titles, you've got to be registered with a regulatory body. Um, so most of us, 13 of the AHP professions, are registered with the HCPC, which is the Health and Care Professions Council, and osteopaths are registered with the General Osteopathic Council. AHPs form the third largest clinical workforce within the health, health and social care in England, which means that one in 20 of all staff working in the NHS are AHPs, which means that we're a pretty big group. We provide patient-centred care across a huge range of pathways and settings, including hospitals, the community, schools, the charity sector and private practice. And we have a big focus on health and well-being, helping people to maximise their potential to live a full and active life. Perfect. And what we're aiming to do with the podcast is to interview different allied health professionals from different specialities, different bandings, different backgrounds, and kind of ask some questions as to how they ended up where they are. So what they didn't know before they chose their profession, what they really enjoy about their job. And as it's still relevant, we're going to talk about um, COVID and talk about their experiences and um, how they had to change their practice, whether they might have had to change their role completely. And also some top tips for anyone who is aspiring to be an allied health professional. So both Joe and I, as we said, are physiotherapists. So we thought, who better to start with than ourselves? So we're going to get started and we hope you enjoy. Okay, so let's get started. So we thought we'd start by discussing how we both got into physiotherapy. Joe, do you want to go first? Yeah. Um, so my plan throughout most of my time in school was that I was actually going to go to drama or art school. Um, I was always really into my art and musical theatre and I had visions of myself on the West End stage, singing and dancing. Um, but when I was 16, I injured my ankle um, and went to see a physio and that's what got the idea ticking. I'd always loved biology. It was one of my subjects at A-level, but I didn't want to do a degree in biology. Um, and I really liked doing sport and keeping active. Um, and when I was in the physio, I thought, oh, actually, this sounds like quite a nice thing to do. So I started looking into physio courses. Um, what I didn't realise at the time was how varied and amazing physiotherapy was as a profession. Um, but it all went from there. How about you, Anna? Well, yeah, similarly for me, that wasn't necessarily this, the starting point. So um, I started playing tennis at about the age of eight, um, eventually to a kind of a national, international standard between the ages of 14 and 16. And I, <laughs> I definitely had my fair share of injuries and saw many physiotherapists and kind of always 
thought, okay, if tennis doesn't work out, then it might be a possible career path. Um, so when I went back to school to complete my A-levels, I thought, yeah, I'll be a sports physiotherapist because that's kind of the background that I want, that, that's what I wanted. And then quickly realized that I didn't have a clue what physiotherapy really, really entailed. Um, so definitely reverted back to my comfort zone and went to do my first degree in sport and exercise science. But even whilst I was doing that first degree, I still kept thinking that I wanted to do it. And then unfortunately, due to kind of family circumstances, there was like an illness in the family which related, which meant that they had to be seen by respiratory physiotherapists. But I'd never knew that that was even an option or even part of what physios did. So it kind of piqued my interest. And I did some work experience at my local hospital, discovered a bit about physiotherapy and occupational therapy, blew my mind. I was like, went home, was like, do you know there's something called occupational therapy as well? <laughs> um, which kind of was like, oh, that's a new thing. Um, but no, definitely after that experience, thought this is what I want to try. And I did my sport and exercise science degree. I applied for a master's degree. So I did the accelerated two-year physiotherapy um course at St George's and then yeah that was kind of that was how we did it so yeah I think both of us initially thought we don't necessarily that's not necessarily what we want to do but kind of stumbled upon it in in weird ways but I think we're both happy with our choices very happy <laughs> so I think very happy. very happy so yeah maybe we then should have a chat about what how we met yeah let's have a little chat about how we met so Enna and I actually met um, at our Band 5 rotational interviews at a hospital in London. It was quite a weird environment as you're in a room with lots of very like-minded people you'd probably get on really well with um, if you started chatting to them. But there's also the inevitable element of some rivalry as ultimately you're all going for the same job. I definitely remember coming out of the group interviews, which was the first step. And looking at you, Anna, and thinking, oh, God, she's definitely going to be a bit of competition. <laughs> Wait, um, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, I remember that well. <laughs> I definitely thought the same the other way around. Really? Just said, yeah, definitely. That. that makes me feel good. <laughs> so um, luckily, in our case, they were looking for more than one person in the interviews, and they hired both of us. Um, yeah. We ended up doing our first three rotations together, which was great. And we became really good friends, both inside mm -hmm. of work and out. Don't forget the Christmas party. Yeah, we arranged together um, our therapy Christmas party, which was a huge success. We had meetings in the local wine shop planning and <laughs> did an awards night and it was wonderful and everyone really enjoyed it. Yeah, um, good. We then did both, both move on to different trusts and specialised in different areas, but we've always kept in touch. So at this point, maybe we should talk about what we're doing now. Yeah, let's let's do that. So I'm based in the pelvic health physiotherapy team which is a predominantly outpatient service and we provide specialist assessment and rehabilitation for pelvic bladder and bowel pain and dysfunction so I tend to see patients who are pregnant so I help them with any musculoskeletal conditions or pain that they're having so that could be any back pain that could be pelvic girdle pain or carpal tunnel syndrome but we also treat patients who have gynecological conditions so that could be with stress urinary incontinence or overactive bladder but we also do um, see patients on the wards so we'll go and see patients postnatally day one postnatally helping them to get up and out of bed giving them advice for postnatal care 
and checking for any issues that they might have straight after their delivery. But also we see patients on the gynae um, oncology wards as well. So anyone who's had any cancer surgery, we will go and see for rehab and checking them from a chest point of view, making sure they're breathing properly um, and just giving them some advice about how to manage when they're back at home. I started in this job in January of this year um, having done it as a, a band five previously and I and I absolutely love it it's a very different area but um, no you, you learn a lot and I'm really enjoying it so how about you Joe? Um, so I chose to specialise in neurology um, so neurological phys physiotherapists treat patients with a huge range of neurological conditions like strokes, uh, traumatic brain injuries, Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis, motor neuron disease I'm currently working as an inpatient therapist. I work as the neuro outliers therapist. So I see patients all around the hospital with different neurological conditions, providing specialist assessment and rehabilitation, trying to get them up and moving and out of hospital as quickly as possible. There's also with neurological conditions an element of condition management. So some patients who have conditions that won't improve, like motor neuron disease, we're helping them to optimise what they're able to do and set them up at home to make sure they um, can do as much as possible. Um, I loved my neuro rotation as a band five as well and knew from that that I wanted to do it and specialise in it and I'm really happy and enjoying what I'm doing. As we said at the start of the podcast, this podcast comes off the back of a Facebook page that we started at the beginning of lockdown called On the Frontline NHS AHPs. This kind of came from an idea when I was back at home. So around mid-March time, I'd gone home and I'd taken the day off work on the Friday, but was still getting messages from people at work kind of just saying, oh, there's going to be the lockdown, the lockdown's happening soon, or that we're going to be redeployed from our usual um, place of work to potentially a different area that we're not necessarily used to. So I had a bit of a panic, if I'm being honest. I was at home, I was talking to my family. I was like, I don't know when I'm going to be coming back. Um, a bit worried, but actually... Thankfully, my brother was like, this actually could be a really good time to try and do something that you've you've never done before and kind of push yourself out of your comfort zone. And one of the things that was happening at the time was Joe and I kept getting added to different WhatsApp groups from our friends from our other trusts, just kind of trying to suss out what was going on at each of the different trusts to get a feel for what was happening. Um, and also what we noticed was that like doctors and nurses were getting a lot of media attention and thanks about what was happening during coronavirus and what they were doing. But actually it was very much just like, we're definitely in the thick of it, very much in the thick of it. And why aren't we getting the kind of the, the praise that we deserve um, as allied health professionals can tend to be a bit forgotten about. And I think both Joe and I had seen a, a post by one of the girls that we um, both worked with and she was donned in her full PPE standing there looking pretty strong and, and it, someone written a comment just about how amazing she was being on the front line and it kind of gave me the idea I was thinking people loved like people loved it and responded really well to it and I was like we need to hear more about this kind of stuff we need to share the information that we've got we need to hear the triumphs and the good things that we're doing as allied health professionals during this time but we've also done it 
all the time. Um, so I went to sleep, woke up. I was like, I need to message Joe. <laughs> so I messaged <laughs> Joe to be like, I've got, I've got a question. <laughs> I've got this idea. Like, do you think that, like, do you want to be part of it? I feel like we've worked really well before. I think this would be really good. And she was like, yeah, <laughs> let's do I it. I had no idea what was coming. <laughs> no, we didn't really have a plan if I'm being honest. It, yeah, it was kind of, we had a vague idea of what we wanted to do. We had an idea of what platform we wanted to do it on. But the logistics of it, we, we didn't really know. And then the next day, we, start, we started the page the next day. So I think that was on the 21st of March. And then, yeah, it's still it's still going to today. We've got nearly, I think, 13,500 followers, which we're so appreciative of. And it just shows how much people really care about allied health professionals and what we're doing and wanting to spread the word. And we definitely want to try and, and continue that as much as possible. Yeah. So we've touched on coronavirus. And obviously, this is something that's affected everybody in all sectors especially the NHS but it literally has affected everybody in terms of their work and um, how they're living we're still feeling the effects now and um, it's definitely at the forefront of our minds but one of the things we want to do is chat to some of the allied health professionals about their experiences um, working during this time what they've had to do how they've had to change their practice so we thought maybe we can touch a little bit on that ourselves as well so Joe, do you want to talk about your COVID story? Yeah, so I first became properly aware of, of COVID when I was um, on a skiing holiday in France and it was all over the news of everything that was happening in China and it seemed like this crazy thing that was at that point so far away. Um, and then everything seemed to happen very quickly and I came back to work and suddenly it was this thing that was really, really very real and, and about to happen, but no one really knew in what form or uh, how bad it was going to be or how to prepare. Um, so I work on a, a in the neurology department. I'm specialising in neuro um, and I work out of the stroke unit, but I work all around the hospital. And our main focus to start off with was trying to get people out of hospital safely to, to minimise the risk of them catching coronavirus and to try and prepare enough space in the hospital for, for what we thought was going to be a, a huge boom of, of coronavirus patients. So I was doing that for a while and then I started getting called into um, intensive care to support the respiratory team as well as they were starting to get busier. Um, but then I had a message on a Monday night um, saying, is anybody available to um, offer support um, with nursing shifts tomorrow from tomorrow in, in intensive care? Um, so I think because our intensive care had massively increased in size, there was a huge demand to have more people helping out. Um, so I got drafted into ICU and I was doing nursing support shifts. So I was in there for 12 and a half hours at a time wearing full PPE, which was um, quite difficult. It was very different. I had a whole new um, range of responsibilities. I was looking after my own patient. We weren't allowed to do medications and things, obviously, because that was um, only allowed to be done by, by registered nursing staff. But we were doing pretty much everything else. So we were monitoring observations, um, keeping an eye on the ventilators, taking blood, which is a new skill. I learned to take um, blood out of an arterial line, rolling, changing, uh, repositioning patients, doing mouth care and eye care. So it was all... A really, really new experience and um, felt very crazy being in, in the heat of it. Um, 
I was in there for just under four weeks um, and then things started to slow down. So we were then called back into our more normal roles. So I'm back in the neuro team doing physio again, but I'm still um, involved with some coronavirus, coronavirus patients around the hospital, um, especially ones who've had neuro complications. So it's it's been a bit of a crazy time for me. Um, if you told me six months ago that I was going to be spending a month doing nursing shifts in ITU, I would have told you you were crazy. Um, but it happened. Um, we all made it work. And I feel like I've gained a lot of, of new knowledge and experience from it. Yeah. Do you have like a lot of respect in terms of, I bet, especially doing the roles that you're not usually used to, in terms of what nurses have to go through and what they're doing day to day? Massively. And I think in terms of my awareness of of helping the nursing staff for example when I go into ITU now because I think we often as therapists come in and and do our treatment and then disappear and we might leave the sheets in a bit of a mess or um, get them to disconnect all these things and then forget to ask them to reconnect so I'm, I'm much more aware of the amount of responsibility that the nursing staff have in there and the number of things that they've got to keep their minds on the whole time um, and I also think um, just me coming in as a physio, I'm now much more aware of things to look out for and different medications mm -hmm. and the different machines. So it was a real, it was a big eye-opening um, experience. Because yeah. I know you spent a lot of time in ICU as well, didn't you, Anna? Yeah, I did. But I start in, started in this team in January after completing um, the band five rotations that Joe and I did together, as well as some band six rotations and then started in my new trust in January. And then this all kicked off maybe about March time. So I was three months into my new trust. So I think when I started this, I wasn't expecting about three months in to be redeployed into a whole new area. So um, it was very different. So I was at home, as I said, when we first started this page and I kind of got the email saying, you'll be redeployed to um, ITU, to the respiratory team. And I was kind of just like, okay, I've, I've done, I've done respiratory before. Um, it wasn't necessarily something that I'd specialised in. It's something that I found quite interesting. But I think there was definitely that initial fear of having not done it for a while, and then knowing that this was going to be such a, a big thing, and the patients that we were going to be looking after. Though at the time, we didn't really know a huge amount in terms of how patients were going to react to COVID. We what their recovery was going to be like, um, what our involvement would be, especially on, on ITU. Um, so there was kind of a lot, there was a lot of unknowns. So when I came back, I started um, in a completely new team. So I've been on the outpatient side and then went into um, inpatient. So it was a completely new therapy team and I was meeting a lot of new people. So it was, that was a bit daunting as well, just getting used to and, and getting to know people that I hadn't necessarily met before. Um, but they were absolutely amazing. I honestly couldn't have had a better team during that whole situation. But basically my responsibility was to, um, I was helping remove and clear phlegm and sputum from patients' chests and when they were ventilated. So if patients were ventilated, the, the ventilator was doing the breathing for them which means that they're not able to cough and clear themselves. So if there was any sputum or any phlegm sitting in their chest, that could make it a lot harder for them to breathe. So it was my responsibility to help clear that in, in different ways. Um, and then when patients were starting to recover, 
and wake up from the sedation, then it was our responsibility to help kind of rehab them and get them get them stronger and get them orientated and get them back up on their feet and hopefully getting home to the best of their ability. So that was quite that was quite daunting. Um, I saw some things and thought some really sad things to be honest. There was um, a lot of a lot of sadness around in terms of patients passing away, which was a new experience. Um, I think as physiotherapists, we don't always um, have to experience that. I think we, we are all familiar with that, but we don't necessarily, it's not something that we are regularly used to, but kind of having it in your face like that was a completely different experience. And um, it was really important to, ha- important to have such a supportive team around us to be able to have those conversations and just be like I am upset like what I'm seeing is really sad and just being able to deal with that um and then just kind of the more acute respiratory side I I learned so I learned so so much so much and I'm really grateful for my my leads and my seniors in the team who really supported me um we had laughs we had tears um (laughs) We had a lot of chocolate. Um, There was a lot of food eaten during that time, to say the least. But I think some of the things that we saw in terms of patients getting better will probably be probably stick with me more than some of the some of the stuff that I've done in my career and seeing them really get better, helping them orientate themselves. They didn't have a clue what was happening. Some of them had been in a been ventilated for don't even know, like four weeks or so, um, waking up and being like, what is going on? why am I so weak? Why can't I stand up? Um, and just having to have those conversations and those explanations was, was so, it was really difficult, but also just reassuring them was also so amazing. And as Joe said, you work so closely with, you work so closely with the doctors, work so closely with the anaesthetists. We worked really closely um, with speech and language therapists. And we kind of just worked together as a big team and made good plans every morning and yeah no it was it was a really it was a mixed experience it was a, it was a good experience a sad experience but it's one that I definitely won't be forgetting for a long time. So now we're going to go on to our next section which we're calling the three fives. So Ironically, this question is so relevant for both Joe and I because we have both been qualified and been working for five years now. So the question I pose to Joe is, when you first qualified, where did you see yourself in five years' time? So when I finished uni, I did actually think, oh, you know what, I'll probably end up in in neuro. And I was quite convinced by that. Um, I had a family friend or have a family friend who is a a neurophysio. And I'd had chats with her about um, the work that she did and and found it quite exciting. Um, And I'd really enjoyed my neuro placement as a student. I hadn't had a respiratory placement as a student and the idea of doing respiratory as a qualified, I was absolutely dreading and thought I was going to absolutely hate it. Um, Interestingly, then on my band five rotations, when I did go on to do respiratory, I found myself rather enjoying it. And I questioned for a short amount of time whether I might then end up specialising in respiratory, um, which would have been hilarious considering how much I was dreading it initially. But I then went on to do my neuro rotation and I feel like I refound my 
natural path um, and knew straight away that that was what I wanted to do. How about you, Anna? I, if I'm being really honest, I didn't have a clue. I think when I first started, I just didn't want to hurt anyone. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I think when you finish as a student and you first start, it's crazy that you all of a sudden have this responsibility in terms of what your your decision is what goes um so you, like not having your notes countersigned anymore and like your decision is definitely the one that matters and that was all I was thinking about when I first qualified was just let's just get through these these rotations um I think I was also one of those band fives that enjoyed most of my rotations so all the ones that I did I could kind of see myself doing them but it wasn't until I became a band six and had done some other rotations for a bit longer that I knew that pelvic health was what I wanted to do and I'd done that as a rotation as a band five for about eight months it was a bit longer than the usual ones and I absolutely loved it I just didn't know that that was part of physio we had an hour lecture at uni about it can't say I massively knew much about it after that but from what I saw in my rotation, I thought that's definitely, yeah, I think that's something that I want to be, I want to be doing. So if it hadn't been for pelvic health, what would you have chosen? Ooh, that's a tough question. Really putting me on the spot there. Um, <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think it would have been A&E. A &E. So I did, yeah, so I did, um, I did about a year as a band six working in A&E, working really closely with um, with the occupational therapist. And it's just a whole different world in A&E. You're right, you're right at the front and you're dealing with patients that have, that have just come in and they're still waiting for their x-ray results. And you're trying to, you're trying to turn them around as quickly as possible so that they don't have to stay in hospital because actually that could be worse for them. And just finding ways to get them home safely. You get to talk to the paramedics. You get to work with the A&E consultants. Like I really enjoyed my time. I think it's again an area that people don't really necessarily know that physiotherapists or occupational therapists would be involved in. So I think if I wasn't doing pelvic health, then it would have been A&E. How about you? Hilariously, I think it probably would have been respiratory. Um, I can't believe I'm saying this or I wouldn't have believed it if you told me as a student um, <laughs> but there's something so satisfying about giving someone a chest treatment and suctioning a load of phlegm out of them and seeing their oxygen <laughs> levels go up and up. Um, I also really enjoy being in in the ICU environment providing rehab and and therapy um, but you never know I might be able to find a way of doing neuro ICU work in the future we'll see. Yeah why not why not? Okay, so the next bit of five questions is five things you didn't know about physiotherapy before you started your course. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the first one I'm going to say, and I think we've already touched on it, is the fact that by doing a degree, doing the physiotherapy degree doesn't automatically mean that you're going to be a sports physiotherapist or that you're, <laughs> or that you're going to end up being like the, the physio for a, a top rugby team not that you can't if you do the degree you can do that but there's just there's so much else involved in physio that you do I think you end up getting quite intrigued about different areas and you get exposed to so much that actually it's probably you kind of steer away from that sometimes 
Um, but I definitely going into into studying, I definitely thought I was like, that's what's going to happen. Definitely going to be sports. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say leading on from that, I had no idea just how specialist physio could be. Like even within specific specialties, um, you can specialize in something so specific as, for example, in neurospasticity. Like there are physios whose sole role is to run a spasticity, spasticity clinic and look after patients who have problems with spasticity. For anyone who doesn't know, um, spasticity is um, a problem that some patients with neurological conditions get where there's increased tone in their muscles and it can cause problems with things like um, walking, moving their arms um, and needs quite a lot of specialist treatment. And it's amazing um, just what physios can do. Yeah, I mean... As a, as a pelvic health physiotherapist, that's pre, it's pretty specialist as well. And I guess I wouldn't have found that out if I hadn't have gone down the route of working within the NHS and, and doing all of our rotations. We wouldn't have been exposed to all of that. So I think that's definitely, I think that's definitely a good thing. And the next thing that I didn't know before starting um, studying was how many women are in the profession. I think when yeah. you first start physio, you think of like especially when you were looking more at sports you're kind of like all the you see all the physios in these sports teams and they tend to be like these these men like running around there's definitely women in there but you do tend to see majority men but like within the NHS there's so there's so many women which I think is really it's so good like I, I think that's it's really good also probably not um not a bad thing if you're a, a male wanting to join the profession just saying just saying but, <laughs> but no I was actually just quite surprised by that <laughs> yeah my next point would be um I didn't realize how important physios can be um within a team in terms of making decisions we play a hugely important part in in meetings with other members of the multidisciplinary team um and assessments and recommendations that we make can often make a huge influence over decisions that are being made about what happens to the patient, whether they can go home, whether they need referrals to um, other specialist services. I had no idea that we played such a huge um, part in that in that side of things. No, definitely. And um, oh wait, are we on the last one? I think number five. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think Joe, I think you might have mentioned this already, but phlegm. like I didn't know that that was going to be a thing didn't know that actually you would end up really enjoying like clearing phlegm even the word (laughs) phlegm (laughs) it's really not the nicest word but there's something so satisfying about helping a patient that can't do it themselves helping them clear some phlegm out of their chest so that they can breathe a bit easier um that might not be the case for all physiotherapists but yeah definitely it was an element that I was surprised about that would actually be quite a satisfying thing (laughs) yeah definitely so satisfying so Joe, the five things you enjoy about your job I love that it keeps me active um at work I'm always on my feet it's very hands-on with patients there's a very limited amount of computer work so I'm walking around all day um I can't think of anything worse than having an office job sitting at a desk I apologize to people who sit at a desk for their job but I just couldn't (laughs) do it um so I love that how about you I'm the same I couldn't yeah no I 
I find it hard. Like even when we have a bit more like admin time and I'm having to sit, like I have to get up, I have to stretch, walk around, do something. I'm just not used to being in one position for a long time. So I think, yeah, that's really good. One of mine is the fact that we're quite, we're problem solvers. Like we'd love, we're almost like detectives in some way. Like we're <laughs> definitely trying to figure out what the issues are and like providing solutions and I really enjoy that. As you said, no no day is ever the same. Things, loads of things tend to crop up and just trying to find a way to, trying to find a way that to solve these problems, but with the patient's interest at heart and making sure that they're, they're getting the best care that they deserve. And no, I really, I really enjoy that. Yeah, I agree. And that kind of leads on to my next point, saying no two days are ever the same. I think particularly in, in neuro, I'm always coming across new conditions I get a bleep and I've got someone saying oh can you come and see this patient about who's got this condition and I think well I've got no idea what that is but I'm, I'm gonna find out so I'm constantly learning it's quite exciting um having so much to learn and it's always keeping me interested and busy yeah. um yeah my next thing is probably less clinical um it's more of the social aspect I think as physios we're quite sociable people not even just that I think it's an allied health professional thing we we work so closely together, like so closely with patients and in the offices. And I feel like we're always bringing chocolates. I think I've mentioned chocolates before already. Um, <laughs> shows, shows where my head is. Um, even baked like baked goods. We like baking Christmas parties. Like just having a drink after work. Like I think because sometimes the stuff that we have to deal with is pretty tough. It's quite it can be really sad at times. It's it's good to have really close team members that you can fall back on and have those conversations with. And even after work, have a bit of a debrief, but also not even debrief about work, just kind of talking about life. And I think the nature of our jobs and how close we are to patients and each other means that we're quite a sociable profession, which I really appreciate. I think you're so right. I'd honestly say some of, you know, some of the best friends I've made after uni have been people that I've met at work. And yeah. it's so nice being being good um, work colleagues, but also just being having a real friendship and being able to do fun stuff that's completely unrelated to work with people you work with. It's great. Um, my last point, which is kind of a sociable thing as well. I just love um, the relationships that I build with patients um, yeah. and having the opportunity to meet so many different people from different walks of life and different backgrounds and hear their stories. I think particularly in, in such a therapeutic profession, we um, you get to know people really quickly and you in order to assess them properly, you have to know pretty much all the details of their life. And I think it's a real honor to be to have that that trust that someone will let you into their life so openly. Um, and it's just incredible to be able to meet all these different people and, and get to know them and try and help them. Yeah, I completely agree. And to you we as you said we get the the pleasure of being able to spend a bit more time with our patients face on and the stories they have and you can really build that rapport and yeah no it's it, it makes the job like so much more worthwhile definitely So we're coming towards the end of the podcast, but we thought it might be a good idea to share some of our personal top tips for aspiring physiotherapists. Yeah, so I think what's really important is to is to talk to pe people, talk to physios. Um, we live in 
a day and age where social media is so prevalent and people are really willing to offer help and advice. So yeah, contact people that you that you know, that you don't know, that you see as potential role models. Um, have a look at things like have a look at our Facebook page, um, have a look at the Charter Society of Physiotherapy Twitter and Facebook page as well. I know there's a lot of student forums. There's some student podcasts. Um, just, yeah, really talk to people and get a feel for if this is what you want to do. And if you can try and get some work experience in some hospitals or some outpatient clinics. And I think I think you'll find that it's, you'll, you'll really love it. And how yeah, about- I think you've covered most of it there. And I would just say it's a great career. So if you're interested, go for it. Um, if you know a physio personally, then maybe try and have a chat with them to find out more or um, get in contact with physios in your local area. Um, as Anna said, try and get some work experience. Or if you're struggling and are looking for some more information that you can't find online, you could even pop us a, me- us a message if you have any questions and we'll help if we can. Good. So that's it. We're all done. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Um, we really hope that you've enjoyed this podcast. As I said, it's our first one, so we're, we're trying to work it out, but really appreciate it. If you've gotten this far, we really appreciate you listening the whole way through. Um, if you liked it, then please subscribe to hear more from us. Um, what would be really good is let us know your thoughts on um, any of our social media platforms. So whether it be Facebook, um, Twitter or Instagram. And also we're, we're looking for people to interview. So if you know anyone that would be perfect for this podcast, then please email us on frontlineahps at hotmail.com. And we will see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.